Hello! Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Questions from the Pew. This is actually part two of a conversation Riker had with the hosts of Mixtake on The Lord of the Rings and adapting narratives. Uh, so if you haven't listened to part one, feel free to go back and listen to that before you listen to this podcast. We're a forum for discussion on the issues that are ruminating in the minds of churchgoers, but that are often not raised from the pulpit. Too long has the church shied away from grappling with tough questions and nuanced issues. We're your hosts. I'm Riker Zalameta. I'm Lucas Manning. Welcome to Questions from the Pew, where faith and culture meet. story though right it's like if you're remaking it that means that like to your point it's, it's affected an audience so much and it yeah, continues yeah. to affect you know contemporary audiences enough to to warrant being made again yeah and yep. even the way film is made so sometimes mm. like if you go back and you watch those movies from like the 80s and 90s the first 30, 40 minutes they're setting up the film. And I get a little bored as a movie watcher because I've been trained movies right. now. You mm-hmm. you open with like this epic scene where there's like this giant battle and you're like, there's this galactic war and whatever, you know? <laughs> but it's like literally, you know, you sit down and 20 seconds in, you're like, what is happening? So, but like you go back and you watch something from the 80s and you know, the first 10 <laughs> minutes is like credits. And I'm like, what? Get to the good stuff. <laughs> this is terrible. So even the way we tell story, you know, is, it changes over time depending on your listener. Right. Not, not, not to derail this too much, not to derail it too much, but last year I watched Field of Dreams with my kids because we were getting ready for the Field of Dreams game. And I was like, wow, this is this is really slow. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I like that you said the Field of Dream games, like we know what you're talking about. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. That was baseball reference. Google no, it. Sports. No, but like what? What do you? <laughs> no, but what do you mean? Like it was a game? Like Kevin Costner was there? What happened? Yes, he was there. And and it was the White Sox versus the Yankees. They played on the Field of Dreams field. No and way. Yeah, because that's run. in Illinois, right? It's, it's in Iowa. 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 Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. See, sports. It's you close. know what? It's fun, a close cousin. Fun fact, this year they did the same thing. It was the Cubs versus Cincinnati. And um, little proud moment, my nephew represented the Chicago Cubs in the Little League game that, that was aired on, on ESPN That's cool. before no the program. That is so cool. That is very cool. <laughs> we I traveled out to watch it. Uh, it, was, it was amazing. I love that Kevin Costner was there. He was last year. Yep. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. That's still pretty cool. I do want to touch on, because, Donnie, you were saying how, like, some films, yeah, they start off really slow because it's going through all this backstory. I guess that's one thing that's fascinating to me because that's exactly how the Fellowship of the Ring starts. Right? The first, like, ten minutes is all just this prologue of, you know, a past age and how it got there. And then, mm-hmm. finally, there's, like, a, there's, there's a, almost a hard cut, like, musically, goes from that right. dark menacing music to that flute na 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 
uh, <laughs> as it transitions yes. to yeah. the Shire. This is my father's world. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> uh, all the Christians, uh, yeah, yeah. Anybody who didn't grow up singing hymns, I guess, won't know that. But I, I follow yeah. you, Rob. But I will say the difference with that, though, is Kate Blanchett. She is so captivating. Like I can, I can literally listen to that intro yeah. ten times oh over, yes. and it still is cool and awesome and scary and 100. tantalizing. Because yeah. yeah. you're like, what story is this? And this is this world is insane. That there's this cruelty and malice being poured into a ring. What mm. you know? And, and I mean, I like that it goes over so much. So it is a prologue and there is talking, but they're covering so much time yeah. to catch us up in the story that it's like, I'm appreciative, right. you know. Is that the greatest prologue in cinematic history? It's got to be one of the... Mm. I'm just going to say down. yes. Oh, that's a great I'm just going to say yes. I haven't even really put any thought to this. Uh, and I'm like, just going to go out on a limb. I can listen Whoa. to the soundtrack of the, you know, of that portion of the of the movie and yeah. in my and mind's eye, you know I can see it. I can hear Kate Blanchett yep. reciting mm-hmm. that. And it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, the world. I think it's one of the greatest. <laughs> I literally want to go it and watch it right with now. with the forging of the great rings. <laughs> well, that's the thing, too. Like, so, like, Peter Jackson's adaptation of the trilogy versus, like, the B- was it the BBC who made the cartoon version? Yeah. Right. Like I can't uh, even remember the, what the prologue was like. Did they even have a prologue? I assume they did, right? Oh, I don't if, know. If if it if there was one, it was like they didn't use bass or something back then. It <laughs> sounded so tinny. Well, that's the, like that just goes to show the importance of telling those old stories in a new way. Like a, a, mm-hmm. a cartoon movie like that would not hold up in today's audience, right? No. But like. Right. Jackson saw through, you know, the the format in which mm. at that point, um, the format in which the narrative of Lord of the Rings was uh, had been adapted, and mm-hmm. he's he basically yeah saw the saw that core and reshaped it, put new flesh around it. Oh, I'm mixing all these metaphors here, but put, like put <laughs> like all this stuff around it yeah, and like made it into a masterpiece that. Who knew a fantasy film could have won all these Oscars? Oh my goodness! Oh, it, I think it holds the record. Doesn't incredible. It? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's pretty. Like, I remember watching impressive. the year that the Return of the King yeah. uh, yes. was released, and they just Every won. Award it was a was... sweep. <laughs> yeah. Which, as incredible. you know, as moviegoers and people who who love like this nerdy world, it's so. Um, what's the word when you're like, uh, you know, like, yes, you've been anticipating this for such a long time and you're like, ah, mm-hmm. finally, yeah, the, you know, the joy is yeah, like, that, oh, is, it called, is it Mar- Maranatha? Oh, wait, payoff. That might be it. <laughs> we'll take them both. I like them. <laughs> but yes, that was, that was pretty, pretty epic. Yeah, definitely. Well, hey, let's jump to to the second question. And Donnie, you kind of tipped us off a little bit when you were talking about um, when you were talking about Romeo and Juliet. 
and how like some adaptations kind of keep the dialogue as Shakespeare wrote it, or if it was Shakespeare, I don't know. Um, right. We're not going to open that can of worms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, but uh, <laughs> but I'm intrigued. Uh, yeah. But then some other films, like the I think you mentioned, was it the DiCaprio film? And is it who mm-hmm. else was in that with him? Was that Winslet? I feel like I always uh, just pair the two up now. I know Sam's. <laughs> hey, who is in there? Let me. I'll look it up. But they're a little bit. But in that film, it's it's more loose with the with the dialogue, right? But it's the the heart of the story, and even move, moving beyond that to the West Side Story. And it's basically yeah. a you know a a different retelling of you know essentially the same story, so you know to that point then what is more important, being faithful to the story, or reinterpreting it for a contemporary audience, or maybe you take the position that that's not even a dichotomy that should even exist. Yeah, and that the um, DiCaprio version is with Claire Danes. Uh, and John Leguizamo mm. and Paul Rudd. But I, I think, oh, Rob, do you want to kick this off? No, I, I, I'm just going to say one little thing here, um, yeah. and then maybe it'll spark your thought. Um, the only thing that I would say is, if to me, if it is using the name, then I think it should be close to the story, the original story, and definitely capturing the spirit. Uh, West Side Story, for instance, is not called Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not Romeo and Julieta or anything. Mm-hmm. It's um, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a different spin, and it's it's I would say more inspired. It it takes some of those beats, but but gives it a new context. Mm-hmm. So, um, but anyway, I need to think about that a little bit more, Donnie. I would say I don't think there needs to be a rigid you know this or that as we it with with the mixed take podcast what we did in season one was we took a look at select directors and their body of work and then in season two um we looked at actors and their body of work and one overarching theme that arose for each individual that we have covered so far is that they're all artists they care for their craft, they care for the art of storytelling and telling stories that are meaningful to them personally. And so I think the beauty and the gift of story is that we can you know, retell an old story or we can tell an old, retell an old story in a new way with new names and new faces, and new characters, new places, um, new language even. And so I think um, the beauty of the art of story is that there are no rules to creativity. It's like, hey, I mean, I guess there are, you know, beginning, middle, end, story arcs, <laughs> all that good stuff. We want a good story, people. But you, the the idea of saying, like, it has to be done this way or it has to be done that way is such an old notion, I think, I, in, in my personal opinion, I think, you know, the freedom of cinema is exactly that it's freedom it's you know tell the story in a way that is meaningful to you and meaningful to the audience that you want to reach Mm. Mm. i think i think you bring up an important point though rob right so like if you're like don't use the same name or Mm. don't use the name for the same story if you're not going to be 
like faithful to what it, if if your point is to you know take a creative to take creative liberties or to take a creative i guess deviation from the main story to kind of put a new spin on it then be upfront about it and it's like don't try to mask it behind the name or the title of the original story and i think i get that. i think that's i mean to kind of circle this back to lord of the rings world i think that's one thing that kind of i guess um scared me a little bit when i heard about the rings of power series being made just because i knew from what i had understood they were taking a lot of what was unfinished work unpublished work and creating a story behind it which is fair right but to mm-hmm. to your point rob i think i was afraid of you know the producers or the company not being upfront with what they were doing like uh, with that being their yeah. goal and people are buying into the series because they're expecting a, con- yeah. a continuity from the lord of the Rings series that they fell in love with so that's yeah. what you know that's i guess that's always the for the me caveat. yeah the caveat of of retelling stories or continuing stories that have yeah. uh, an origin point yeah, yeah. I, I agree. If if I if there was like a film called Lord of the Rings that came, comes out next year and it's 2040, it's, <laughs> it's like it's in the future, film. <laughs> yeah, I would be like, what in the world is happening? Yeah, yeah. You are medieval, you know. Yeah. You know what? The the rings of the rings of power, for instance, is um that is them taking a lot of liberties because there is not a whole lot written in the second age mm-hmm. of of middle earth so they took a lot of beat points and they've con- they've uh, compressed the time and and they've made a story and some people are are okay with that some people are not um but i want to go back to the jackson films for one second with with this question um so jackson's films carry the spirit of the lord of the rings and pretty much the beat points of the Lord of the Rings, but he himself takes creative license. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that that Donnie you mentioned that you love so much is that inner tor- turmoil of Aragorn that does not exist in the book. He does. Mm-hmm. He has zero turmoil. In fact, mm-hmm. he's just he's waiting for his moment to reclaim mm-hmm. that throne. And it's a very different character. Yeah. He's However, already carrying I, the broken shards of Narsil. He is. Yes. Yes. That's that gets reforged in a, a very non-dramatic way, mm-hmm. I think. And <laughs> and non-dramatic. We're, we're nerding it. out here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Jackson Jackson made some creative choices yeah. and took some creative liberties that I think, as you were saying before, Riker, he is he is writing to a contemporary audience and saying, how can I make this how can i connect a contemporary audience connect their hearts to this classic um property and so he he kind of rewrote a few characters Mm -hmm. and gave them some conflict that maybe didn't exist before however in in doing that he did not dismantle the overarching structure of the Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. it kept it intact. You know, some of the greatest moments, like the elves showing up at Helm's <laughs> Deep, don't exist in the book. Right. That doesn't exist in the book. That doesn't. That never happens, because the elves are leaving Middle Earth. They're not fighting. 
anymore. Um, and and some some other points that are just amazing um, don't don't exist, but but they don't detract from from the story. So it feels very much like the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I agree. And even like, I think we, Lucas and I mentioned it in a previous episode, but like. Not George Lucas, right? Just to clarify. Yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> uh, that's, okay. I, I do another podcast with George Lucas. Um, okay. Just making yeah. sure we're, we're talking about the right podcast. Okay, <laughs> right, go ahead. Right. Well, like they, like, not only did he change things, right? But yeah, to your point, the, he, he also left things out, like the whole ending of or one of the endings i guess of the of the right. story of you know the the hobbits fighting for their homeland because that's where saruman and grima wormtongue went after exactly. they were driven out of isengard that that was taken out i think logistically it would just would have made a a, a long film even longer <laughs> so the, could, could you imagine in the movie like aragorn yeah. is crowned king everything is is happening you think it's ending, and then they return back to the Shire, and it's like, no, we've got to fight for the Shire because Saruman is here. Right. Although I will say, the Return of the King did have like three endings. Yes. Yeah. Because it was like there that's was... being generous. It might, it might have been more. Yeah, it might have been more. I, I, I think like, it was more. I was like, this is one of those sermons where you're like the, the person preaching like lands the plane, but then takes <laughs> off again, yeah. lands the plane, and, and he takes asked, off. Yeah, can I have five more minutes? Can I get an amen if I can get five more minutes? <laughs> right. <laughs> Exactly. Like, it's oh like inviting God. people onto your podcast and they keep going on on rabbit trails. <laughs> Sorry, record. <laughs> well, I think ideally, right, there shouldn't be a dichotomy. But mm-hmm. like I guess if we are if we agree that the core should stay the same, I guess I guess the difficulty then is how do we determine the core, right? Without an outright commentary well, from the author or the creator, like, Hey, this is the core of the story. Mm-hmm. And yeah. man, see, yeah. so that's what I, I would actually disagree. Mm-hmm. I would say the core doesn't even need to say the same. Mm-hmm. I would say if there's one aspect of a story, that's like, man, that character is really compelling or, you know, this side narrative, I would like to develop that and contextualize it. And, um, you know, I'm in a Spanish market, so we're going to change the language and the city and, you know, all that stuff. I think the power of story is I could be um, inspired. I could be encouraged. I could be changed by a story. And then as a creative, want to tell stories like it. So, I mean, uh, you know, if we're, if we're talking names, you know, the name of a film, then yes, I think you do need to be somewhat true to the story, the original story that you're telling. But I think if we're talking, you know, the power of a story and how it impacts you and then telling it years later to a different audience, maybe even different languages on different continents, all those types of things, I think there's flexibility and room for 
make it your own, do your own thing, be as creative as you want. Yeah, I think you have to uh, – with a property like Lord of the Rings that has a huge fan base, those are the ones. If, if you're doing any of the any of the big fandoms, uh, those are the ones you, you have to – you better honor their story or you're going to – you're going to face the backlash. Yeah. Well, here, Twitter, here's a question. Twitter will come after you. Yeah, here's a question. Have you guys seen uh, the movie Bright? It was on Netflix, Will Smith – there's elves there's you know all these different characters it's it's basically like what if in the lord of the rings the magic didn't die out and we're living in a world now Mm. with orcs and elves and things yeah oh Oh, is that oh i i I think i saw a trailer for that i never watched it though yeah it's worth watching just because it's kind of this uh, this example you know it's if Lord of the Rings kind of uh, mm-hmm. inspired someone to write a story with you know similar kind of issues, but but then in in Bright, I the, you know the the film it wasn't super great. So much was undeveloped of the characters and the story and you know stuff like that and a lot of selections of what they did I didn't like. But it was interesting to see these characters in our world, and they kind of brought up. Um, like segregation issues, mm. race issues, those types of things that are very um, um, hot topics, uh, you know, front and center yeah. for for us right now. It was a very like woke type of film at, with, by in the way of spotlighting mm. these social issues. So it was interesting, but again, it kind of is this idea of, yeah, it, you know, it took a story contextualized it is that okay i would say yes even though they didn't do it well i still think it's it's okay hmm. no yeah i sorry this is something that just came to mind like in terms of like telling a story in a different way but like i i think of like pocahontas then dances with wolves mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. avatar which yeah we'll yeah. finally get in a sequel um but so like, exciting. It's essentially the same kind of, you know, plot line, but mm-hmm. again, with different flesh put on that skeleton. Um, so, so I think I get what your point, though, is, Donnie. It's like at some level, in some respects, we need to be a little bit loose because that's how stories continue to be told. This is how, like... We mentioned this in, in our other podcast, but like our stories shape our culture and our culture shape our stories. And it's mm-hmm. that endless cycle that produces and continues to produce other stories, whether they are completely new or they're retellings of, you know, the, the same story. I think, yeah, there's a little bit of, yeah, maybe there should be a little bit of, a, we should hold those ideas a little bit loosely in some, you know, in some cases. Yeah, to leave room for how can this be reimagined? Yeah. And sometimes in the reimagining, you can better express to audiences what your, you know, what the issue at hand is. So in Bright, when it's, you know, these characters, these beings that are, uh, you know, being segregated or something like that, it's easier as a movie watcher to be like, oh, that's wrong but it's harder to identify the issues of segregation in our own cities and communities. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it's like, oh, well, this is just how it is. 
But when you see it on film, you're like, and it's different people and, you know, like a different world. It's, uh, I don't know, sometimes just, I don't know, more compelling, yeah. maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, I love, I love just the, re, the imagination of storytellers. Like, run free when run wild. <laughs> Well, I don't want to take up any more of your time. This has been a great discussion. I don't know. Do you yeah. want to add anything else to that, uh, to what has already been said? I think I'm good, Rob. Yeah, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to jinx it. Well, I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I do want to give you some time. I'd love to hear from you guys about what you're doing with your podcast, Mixtake. And I also want to give our audience a chance to hear uh, from you and um, to give them, you know, another direction to, to look at for kind of, you know, these kinds of conversations. So maybe talk a little bit about, about your work. Rob, I feel like I was talking a lot. You want to take a first stab? Well, I'll say, okay. Our <laughs> <laughs> Mixed Take is a podcast where we talk about how the mixing of cultures and heritages in the United States influence film and how film influences culture. And we we just we we celebrate, we represent, we we highlight, we we just wanna we want to kind of celebrate along with Hollywood when we see that representation reflecting what reflecting society. So uh, season one we talked about directors. Uh and we we brought up a lot of directors of of color and different cultural backgrounds and what they bring to the table. Season two, we talked about different talent in terms of actors and things. And this season, we're we're nerding out, aren't we, Donnie? Yeah, this is this is pretty pretty sweet for us. We're we're big fans of kind of anything um, related to nerds. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> nerds I, I would say absolutely so our first episode is is um on star wars our second will also be on lord of the rings um and we have more coming um through the rest of this sem the semester whoa the mm -hmm. rest of the season That's uh, right. we'll we're gonna school them <laughs> well <laughs> i love it we'll talk game of thrones we'll talk um the mcu and and lots nice. of other nerdy things and Riker, kind of like what you said you know, story impacts culture, culture impacts story, which comes first, we're not sure, but you know, they're both hugely impactful. And so it's our joy just to be able to discuss what's happening in film. What are the stories that um, move us and why they move us and where we're seeing, you know, good change, where we're seeing good storytelling in our opinions. And um, and sometimes we get to interview talent as well. So we've been able to have people like Jennifer Hudson on the show, um, and we're looking forward to uh, just season three. And, you know, again, being able to kind of nerd out and hopefully we'll be able to sprinkle in some of those interviews here and there as well. When we don't have Jennifer Hudson, we have Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> Wah, wah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, that's great. I can't wait to yeah to give uh, the next season a uh, listen. I'm pretty excited for that. Um, and you, listener, should also listen to their podcast as well. Um, but yeah, Robert, Donnie, thanks for joining me today, taking some time out of your day to, to talk um, 
talk about this. Yeah. Um, I yeah, really, thank you. You. really liked having you guys on. This was a blast. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. Th- thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Whenever you need me, you have my sword. <laughs> and my ox. Well, great. Awesome. Yeah, that was a fun conversation yeah. with Annie and Robert. For sure. No, I mean, insightful and helpful, I would say. And honestly, it's just it's been a good series. Um, obviously, we love Lord of the Rings. Um, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you haven't noticed. We tried uh, to be subtle about it, so <laughs> yeah. we just did a whole series. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, it's been fun. Hopefully, it's been good for you, the listener, uh, to, I mean, one, just see how awesome Lord of the Rings is. And then two, just see how, you know, how narratives work and why they're important mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of the function that they serve in culture yeah. and society and how they're adapted. And yeah, hopefully it was just insightful conversation all around. Yeah, agreed. And I think Lord of the Rings and especially the conversation about um, telling old stories, retelling them in new ways, that sort of thing. Yeah. I think that's helpful for framing the way we look at the Bible, especially for Again, those of us who are coming from a stance of faith, sure. um, you know, questions from the pew, we talk about topics or questions that aren't addressed from the pulpit, right? Mm. Um, this is kind of getting at that kind of goal um, from the side. It's like, because that's what the Bible is, right? It's uh, a lot of it is retelling sure. these themes, these stories in a new way and recontextualizing it. So I think it's helpful for us to understand that that's what the you know, the authors of scripture are also doing, and um, we can still get affected, or we we are still affected by those narratives, you know, some 2,000 years later. Totally, totally. Well, that's great. I'm good to end it there. Yeah. Thanks for listening and joining in on the conversation with us. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do so on Patreon. It's just www.patreon.com slash questions from the pew. And if you can't support us financially, please give us a good rating or review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, and that helps others find our podcast. Also, please comment and ask questions. You can do that by following and messaging us on Facebook or Instagram. You can also leave us a short voice message or text message at 312-725-2995. If you do leave a voicemail, please keep it under 30 seconds or so and tell us your name and where you're from. We'd like to include your voicemail in our Q&R episodes, but if you prefer for us not to, just let us know and we'll include your question in another way uh, and without giving away your information. Same goes for any messages you send us on social media or through text. This has been Questions from the Pew, a podcast in the World Outspoken Network. To learn more about World Outspoken and its mission to prepare the Mestizo Church for cultural change, visit www.worldoutspoken.com. For Questions from the Pew, I'm Reichard Zalameda. I'm Lucas Manning. We'll see you next time. Bye.